Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hey, welcome to the podcast. This is Father Nathan with my uh, opponent, proponent, supponent, what, what, what would the word be? Supporter. Supporter, comrade, Father Michael. Accountability partner. Accountability partner, <laughs> right. Um, right now, I am doing what is called the slingshot. Have you ever heard about this? I have not. So uh, I, I heard from I heard from some of the uh, guys from the NAC, uh, particularly Father Mike Rapp, uh, who you know. Um, but so he's on the other side. But like the the Knackers, they have this thing called the slingshot, which is you make yourself a super strong coffee, drink it, and then take a twenty minute nap. Ah. So before the caffeine has a chance to take effect, you um, you are already waking up, and as you're waking up, you're like. Pew, Yes, I heard of that. Yep. You know what, though? I've realized, I, mean, I know that 20-minute that nap thing, I'm getting to the age where I can, as long as I fall asleep, I wake up refreshed. Wow. And I, I, I say getting to the age, but I remember even back in college, this sounds horrible, but like if I'd fall asleep in class because I'm exhausted, like the moment I wake up, even if it's just a friend elbowing me and being like, dude, you're falling asleep, I, I wake up quite refreshed. So that whole 20-minute nap thing is, is brilliant. Yeah. I'm going to start using it because I don't get enough sleep. Uh, I did it last week or the week before at, I just said, I'm going to come home. I'll take a later lunch hour and I'll do, you know, like my lunch, 20, 30 minutes. And then I'm going down, yeah, down for the count. And then I would wake up and I would just be turbocharged. Yeah. But then the problem was I was going to sleep later. So I just got to get, you know, a little rhythm. I I need a recliner in my house though. All I have is a bed and an office chair. That's all I, I don't like have anything I can take a 20 minute nap in without it being like my bed and bed, bed. being like too tempted to just stay there and well according to according to father raymond garonsky uh my spiritual director and father john's he says if you're going to take a nap you got to take a nap which means like you strip down just to the the bare essentials skivvies skivvies or like he wears a kimono <laughs> a little too much little tmi but uh you know you got this you got it's nice you know like you actually feel like okay i'm in my sleep gear Right now, I'm rocking the track pants, which I'm pretty sure, like, I looked at myself in the mirror as I was, like, um, like coming downstairs or whatever, and I said, this is probably 60 years from now. I'm just going to be rocking track pants and a All clerical shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, just put put, a, put your vestments over that. No one will know. The, um, uh, speaking of falling asleep in class, I was remembering, um, I, f- I stayed awake for, like, I don't know, I think it was an all-nighter. I had to finish a project. I had to do something else, and then I had to take a final, and I think it was my last final. And I started the final, and then I just said, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a little bit of a snooze," mm. and I fell asleep. And when I woke up, I only had 15 minutes left to finish the whole thing, <laughs> but I was feeling really good, so then I was like clear, and I was like probably adrenaline rushed, and I just charged right through that final. And I think the teacher kind of looked at me like, "Dang boy, like nice. well done." I was like, "Yes." Oh, uh, I have all kinds of all-nighter stories from college that I'm not gonna tell right now. I'll space them out over each podcast if they somehow apply. <laughs> Teaser. All right. So what are we doing today? All right. Um, so I am 37 years old. I'm in a priest now over 10 years. And True confessions. Yes. And so my as my youth wanes, well, you know how I realized I was getting old was because a couple of years back, I got a herniated disc. And that is so debilitating, right? It's C6 in my neck. And 
like I think I'm a man, you know, I can take pain, but when you're not able to sleep mm. and it's just constant pain yeah. and you know, you're, you're exhausted because you got like an hour and a half sleep and you just, you passed out in excruciating pain. You woke up in more pain, tried to go throughout the day being a good priest, you know, it was rough. And so I was like, I, I cannot control the amount of pain I have. You know, when you're young, you're in control of everything. And I was so debilitated by this, especially the lack of sleep. I just started feeling old. Um, amazingly, what happened with that is is that I was, you know, ready to go into surgery. My doctor knew we had a date picked out, everything. And, uh, and one evening, uh, this just shows how God is in control. But one evening, I was having dinner with a friend at a restaurant, just kind of whining about my condition. And this little boy, probably about 10 years old, walks up to our table. Don't know him from Adam, have no idea where he is, um, where I know him from, where he knows me from. But he walks up, he goes, oh, it's Father Michael. You know, we're, we're praying for your neck. And he said, we. And I was like, oh, okay. He must be from St. Finns de Paul or one of the, you know, churches I say mass at and help out the school. And I said, oh, thank you. That's great. You know, and he walks off and never to see the kid again. Next morning, wake up perfectly fine. Mm. Like this hernia just was so bad that it was the MRI. You can see it was jetting into my spinal cord and you could see a bubble forming in the spinal cord. Like, and it was probably about an inch or two long. My doctor's like, you got to keep an eye on that because that could kill you. But, but it was, you know, I, I haven't had another MRI to see if the disc is back, but I've had no pain for almost two years now at all. And it was excruciating. So anyway, it was amazing. But, but during the six months of that, I was just exhausted. I felt so old. Also, now being a priest for 10 years, I have preached a lot of homilies. And so in the homilies, I would prepare so incredibly well my first few years, you know, getting every detail. And then every once in a while, I'd be thrown into a situation where I wasn't prepared. Mm-hmm. And so I would kind of interview people. I was like, you know, how, how was that homily? Be completely, you know, blatantly honest with me, please. And it really wasn't a difference. People were getting stuff out of my homilies if, if I prepared for, you know, 10 hours or if I was just thrown into it. And I started, you know, losing control, getting, you know, relatively old, losing control, saying like the things I prepare for, if, if I think I'm in control of this and I'm going to present a really good homily, it really doesn't matter if I do or not because, mm-hmm. of course, God's the one speaking. And I had to learn that. So... I'm right at that stage where it's between kind of mourning my loss of control, you know, over my body as I, as I get a little bit older. And then also mourning, not mourning the fact that I'm not in control of how people perceive me, especially when it comes to being a priest and preaching homilies. Hmm. So, but I'm, I'm getting to the point, I hope, or I'm starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel that is, I actually like being out of control. I like surrendering that because there's a... We we're never we never like losing control of our bodies, of course, and you know as as we age. But we never like that. But there's certainly a an opportunity for sacrifice. Look at John Paul II, the beauty of his suffering that he turned into sacrifice. Um, but even more so, as I kind of love my community, my, my parish more and more every year, I also like the fact that it doesn't they, their holiness and their learning about Christ, being inspired by what I say and, and how the service goes, has nothing to do with me at all. Yeah. And so th- it's beautiful. It really is. Well, when you, when you start to say, you know, I used to want to be in control so much. And I remember thinking that being out of control, I mean, it, it was what we, when we hear in the scriptures, when we hear in the spiritual life that, that we need to surrender everything to Christ, you know, in, in, in a real way, that just seems kind of un-American. It seems, you know, cowardly. It seems like a cop-out. You know, when I just say, oh, I just surrender everything to Christ, you know, it's like, well, yeah, then then what are you doing? You know, are, are you putting any effort in this? Are you putting any work in it whatsoever? Mm-hmm. So finding that balance between being in control and then surrendering is something that, that is, I think we need to delve into more. And, and this is the beginnings of my thought on this. But one thing I noticed too in my ministry is that 
and this has, I'm sure, been going on for decades, but, you know, my Teddy or Saprice has kind of come to my awareness more. And that is that, of course, there is good control and bad control. There's the control that Christ asks us to have, right? We, we need to be people of responsibility. We need to be, say, I, I, I'm taking life seriously. I, I'm putting in the hours. I'm putting forth effort. I'm, you know, in the monasteries, which we call in the East, the, the life of perfection. You know, the monastery is kind of the perfect life of, of, of a perfect mix of prayer and labor and community, et cetera. And it's very controlled in that way because it's a monastery. But in that world, you know, a major part of monastic life is work, you know, labor, putting forth effort, and, and God blesses that effort, and he makes it, makes it important. So, for instance, you and I, and I, I love this tradition, you and I pray before the podcast, right? We pray for the equipment, we pray for the people listening, we pray for ourselves, we pray we for We exercise the equipment. Exactly, every single time. Spread holy water all over the place. Um, so, in other words, th- that, that prayer is good, but one thing I realized with preaching was that I now pray more after I preach than before I do because the prayer after preaching is kind of like this handoff to God. It's like, I just preached a homily. Now I'm going either like, I thought that was wonderful, Lord, you know, thank you for the wisdom. Thank you for my time to prepare. Or I'm like, Lord, that was the most horrible thing I've ever said, ever come out of my mouth. It was, I'm I'm embarrassed. I'm, I'm humiliated, but there's this handoff. Like I pray and say, okay, Lord, do something with that. You know, that, that was a load of it, you know, but, but you can change that. You can make it beautiful. You can make it inspiring. You can bring people closer to you through whatever I've done. So it's really a, that type of surrender is the beauty of it. When, when we have to say, God calls us to be in control of some things, but ultimately we surrender everything. Jesus himself did that, right? He surrendered everything. He gave everything on the cross, didn't hold anything back. That was what was necessary for salvation. Mm -hmm. And now we're saved through his sacrifice, of course. So this being in control and what that means. So, And then what it means to surrender, what it means to be in control. The the scripture passage that that really got me thinking about this was was in Matthew. And I'm just going to, I'm going to read it here. Uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart, and you will find rest for yourselves, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So the passage begins with a burden and it ends with a burden. The burden in the beginning is come to me, all you who labor and are burdened. In other words, come to you who, who are exhausted, who are weary, and I will literally... Jesus says the solution to that is the rest of a yoke, is the rest of, of a different burden. Mm. But, the, but that, that same yoke is still there. Jesus is meek and humble of heart, but he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Therefore, the yoke he's taking off of us, first of all, is not easy, it's not light, and it's not his. So the yoke that we have on that we need Christ to take off is the yoke of our own like what we put on ourselves, you know, this is my own yoke. It's apart from Christ. I need this one removed because this yoke is exhausting where Christ's yoke, it, you know, to use the, the image might be just as heavy, but it's not exhausting. You know, you, you see this in different people. We, you know, some people are, I, I see some parents of 10 children and they just seem it's so easy to raise 10 children. You know, at least from my perception, it's like they're doing so incredibly well. You see somebody else with one kid and they're just going crazy. You know, there's gifts given, different gifts given different ways. And that might be a bad example because, of course, they're both called to have children. But the yoke that we bring to Christ is the yoke that we put on ourselves. The example I thought of with this. So this is humiliating to say, but like I, I came up with I was driving. This You've is- already told everybody that you're incontinent. <laughs> So you've lost control. So I don't think you can get much more humility. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> I'm thinking all these things like a joke, but I'm not going to. Um, 
So I'm driving, this is a couple years back, and I think of this amazing joke. And the joke would be so perfect for Facebook. Like, what, what, what did Kim Kardashian say? I'm gonna, she was gonna break the internet, right? So I was like, I was like, this joke is going to break Facebook. Like, I'm gonna put it on there, and it is, I'm laughing as I drive, and I'm almost debilitated in my laughing because I'm laughing so hard at my own joke, right? And so I'm thinking, so I, I pull over, I pull over to the side of the road to put this joke on Facebook. And like, I pull over a second time to check it, to see, Am I being affirmed, right? <laughs> You're not shaking your head at me. You're so disappointed in me right now. I'm disappointed in myself right now. I'm so. just like afraid that like what actually happened was you got into a car wreck and that's how you got your herniated disc. <laughs> no, no, no. This is before the disc. So um, I pull over again to check it because I'm like, this is people are going to love me. I'm going to get so much affirmation for this joke. Well, I checked that stupid Facebook by five or six times that day. And I was like, you know what? This need for affirmation, this need for people to love me because of a joke is yeah. exhausting. Like, it was such a burden. It was taking time. Yeah. I was like, if I didn't get as many likes as I thought I should or, or as many comments, I'd be like, I'd be like, I'm, I'm just tired. I'm so sad. Like, sadder than I wish I hadn't yeah. done that in the first place. So that need for affirmation was, of course, it was tinged with sin. It was the most horrible thing in the world. But it was, I was looking for affirmation when I, where I shouldn't have been looking for it. But I think we all do that with social media a bit. But it was exhausting, exhausting. Yeah. And I just thought, you know, sin is exhausting. And so that's when we come to Christ, like, Lord, my need for affirmation from a bunch of people I barely even know on social media, that's ridiculous. And I was like, you know, this is my burden. This is the burden I bring to you. I'm, when I'm in control of my affirmation, when I'm able to say a joke and say it exactly like I want to, and then post it on Facebook when I want to, and then check it when I want to, I'm being in control of my own happiness, or I think I am, because I'm putting out there only what I want to put out there and, and seeking affirmation in ways that I want to seek it. If I rest, and this is the difference, for my oak is easy and my burden is light, this is really the concept of Sabbath rest. I had a Jewish rabbi friend of me mm. of mine, it was so beautiful, he said, um, I might mention this before too, but he he said that the Sabbath is the day that we rest and let God work, and of course for us Christians that that's even more so because Christ rose on our Sabbath, right? We rest in His resurrection. He's the one that did the rising. He did the hard work. We just rest in that. So to be able to say, "I rest," and that is what the opposite of, of kind of this false control is. Um, you know, needing to, oh, I control the way that I'm perceived. I control, um, you know, I have enough money or I have enough power or I have enough, you know, good looks, whatever it is, I'm, I'm in control of, of my own happiness. That's what needs to be surrendered because when, when we do that, that's when Christ can step in and can say, like I do with my homilies, that was a horrible homily you gave, Father Michael, but I'm going to fix it. Right. I'm going to actually make it effective. Yeah. And that is, is really a beautiful thing. It really is the ability to say, I'm going to put forth effort, but the real beauty of this is going to be the fact that the effort is not mine, it's Christ, and I'm going to rest in it. It doesn't mean don't put forth the effort. We need to, but we're not Pelagian. You know, we're, we're not, we don't think that we earn our own salvation. We rather participate in it. We're not only receivers. We participate in it. We participated in it through Christ, who's the one, real one in control, and that at this age, and I've been pre so long, that is so attractive to me. And I just wish I could have taught myself that 10 years ago. Hmm. I wish I could have said, you know, just just enjoy the effort that you have no control over. You put forth the effort, let Christ make of it what he will, and then rest in that, really rest. Well, I think the other scripture that comes to mind is uh, we are useless servants 
we have done only what we were obliged to do. Yeah. And, um, I mean, open your mouth and I will fill it. And, uh, I've had that happen where I've tried to do, you know, like prep for homilies and I've prayed and there's just nothing. And, uh, there's probably a lot of lack of discipline there. There's probably a lack of studiositas there, but it's just, it's not working and there's no kind of inspiration. And that's whenever I just say, okay, Lord, like if you want this to fail, it's going to fail, you know, and I'm kind of testing him. And then, um, I'll usually go up to my chapel if I'm like super desperate just before the, before I go over to say the 415 mass or the 715 mass. So it's either at, 3:45 or 3:30 in the afternoon or 4:45 or 5:45, 6:45 something like that in the morning before the 7:15 mass and I'm just like you better come up with something. Yeah. Cuz I'm not going to come up with anything and anything that I'm going to come up with is going to be like white bread and it's going to like it's going to look nice or, you know, kind of whatever, but it's going to grow moldy pretty quick right. and uh, it's not going to have a lot of nutrition. So you got to feed these people. And then I, it's amazing because I don't like playing this game because it's one of those where um, I really have to have not only faith, but even a willingness to fail. Um, but then I'll be sitting in my chair listening to the first reading and it'll just like, it'll start clicking one, hmm. two, three. And I'm like, okay, here we go. And, uh, and then there are other times that I'm like smiling like a butcher's dog because I'm like, you people have absolutely no idea what what I'm about ready to whip out, you know, like right. uh, at this homily. And then I'll like, I'll tell a joke that I think is just going to kill, and it doesn't. <laughs> Nothing. And I t- I try to make a connection that makes sense in my mind. But when I start explaining to it, like there's like all these things that I'm like, oh no, I didn't I didn't think about that before I before I said it. I don't want to say that again. Oh oh no. And then you know it's like total fail blog. Yeah. Um, but somehow. Some people are converted. I hope. One of my homilies was so bad one time that my sister was in the congregation and I could see her with this like <laughs> look of like horrified embarrassment. And she started like praying. I could see her lips moving. She was like praying for me. She felt so bad. Like, Lord, please let him climb out of this, please. And I remember afterwards going like, Teresa, were you praying for me? And she was like, yeah. And I said, I said, it was that bad. She's like, no, no, it was good. But I just wanted to pray for you. Oh my gosh. You're just being too nice right now. But our, but that's exactly it. Our yeah. Lord can take those things and they are outside of our control. And that's how it should be. My, my mother named me Michael because she knew that I could not, that she could not be in control of me at all times. Hmm. So she wanted the strongest of the angels to be the real one in control. And I thought every time I I'm the oldest of my family. Every time I think about that, I, you know, there was such humility there on her part and, and such wisdom too. the knowledge to say, even though like, as soon as he comes out of my womb, he's, he's not mine to control. He could be taken from me when he gets old enough to walk around. He'll be walking around. I cannot control his life. And so I need someone stronger than me and has with a bigger capacity for true love than mm. me to, to care for him. And I was like, you know what? That's, that's what I would name my first kid to Michael, Michaela, whatever. Yeah. What? You're gonna name your first kid that? Is that sure, what you just said? that's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> Is that what you just? I, I might have if I did. I didn't oh, mean I, to. Might no, no, have. I, 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 I might have. I'll have to listen to it again. But no, if I would have had children, of course, I'll name my first dog Michael. Oh that's no, horrible. I won't. I no, won't. my first gerbil. I was gonna name my first dog uh, Jockety uh, <laughs> because I was 
I was a big fan of Walt Jockety because he just kept making these sweet moves for the Cardinals. We got oh. Scott Rowland and Pujols was rocking or whatever. And then he left, and then this other guy, Moziliak, came in. And I'm like, who's this Moziliak? And then we've won like everything since Bill DeWitt and Moziliak took over the team. So now I'm stuck with Moziliak and DeWitt. Nice. Lame. Well, those are good dog names. <laughs> the Moziliak. Sounds like Godzilla bit. I was going to name my, my dog Anathema. Oh, yeah. It's be like Anathema Sit, which means like. That's that's when, the when joke. Kid, that's like, the joke he post on Facebook. <laughs> that's the joke he post on Facebook, and he thought it was going to be so. Funny. No, no, no. The joke I posted on Facebook was the one I got so much flack for, and I, I regretted it. I oh, almost regretted it. It was an impulse. It was. Impulse it was the one on Pentecost. I was ragging on you Romans. Do you remember that? I you. I don't think we knew each other that well back then. But I, I said it was like we were in between Ascension and Pentecost, mm-hmm. and since we always keep Ascension on Thursday, and most Roman dioceses don't, they move to the nearest Sunday. Uh-huh. So I put. We Byzantines celebrate Pentecost this coming Sunday. When do you Romans celebrate it? The next funeral or wedding you happen to be at? Question mark. I don't get it. In other words, you, 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 these Roman bishops are making life so easy. Like to fulfill the obligation is just oh. fulfill the next time you show up in church. <laughs> See, yeah. Anyway, I, I, I got a lot of okay. I got a lot of love from Romans on that one. But I had one Byzantine Catholic who private messaged me furious absolutely furious Ooh. the thought that i was but she, she didn't know me like she wasn't from here so she didn't know that i i i'm by ritual she didn't know that i all my friends are roman catholic because i'm out here yeah. in colorado you know she didn't know any of that that i was just you know ragging on people that, that i loved and knew but anyway well any any final like words on how to how to take proper rest then how to how to give up control yeah. um i think practically what we need to do is to is to lose do, yourself in the moment. You know it. Yeah. You own it. You never, never let it go. Close, close enough. So I, I think what we need to do, Eminem, is uh, to to do like, in other words, work our behind off. You know, to to, to put a lot of labor and effort into it because because labor is is beautiful. It's blessed. It, it it brings us closer to Christ. So we work, but then we cannot be disappointed if we don't get the results from our labor that we want. For instance. I went for like three years without a vacation and I just, all for those three years, I planned a vacation. I was like, I'm going to do this and this and this and this. When the week came for vacation, my car died. And so I was like, okay, I'm still going to get about half a week for vacation. So by the time my car got fixed, one of my parishioners died and I had to do a funeral. And I was like, so mad at God. And I was so mad at myself and I was so mad at this person who died. And I was, you know, anyway, it was, it was just irrational anger. And I thought, you know, what 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 is vacation what i need is i need true rest not crash on the couch rest not like just forget everything lose my mind in, in vacation rest but i needed to do true rest which is god working and me resting which is what doing a funeral should be right i should have said obviously what god wants me to be doing right now is doing this funeral obviously god what he wants me to do right now is not going on this vacation and so that there is a there's an ability to say I'm going to work for this result, and if that result doesn't happen, then now I know that it not happening was God's will. Because if I work for something and then it works, I can say my labor for a certain goal. Yeah. That that labor is I did it is yeah. I not only did I do it, but it's either God's will or it's not. Like I might think it's God's will. No. This project I'm working right. on it either is either God's will or it's not. If something else comes of that that wasn't what I planned, then I can rest much more on saying, okay, that was God's will. But I have to understand that the labor was not pointless. 
It's like if I'm praying for a soul of someone who died and I find out later that they went directly to heaven, right? Are my prayers for the dead soul pointless? No, of course not, right? God, God right. takes that prayer and empowers it, whether he gives it to somebody else or whatever he does with it. He can do what he wants with it, but but there's it's not pointless labor. It's not pointless prayer. None of that is. So if I'm laboring for something I think is good, if I'm laboring for the kingdom of God and then the result of my labor is not what I planned, that labor was good and beautiful and God-blessed, and then whatever the result was, it might have nothing to do with my labor at all. And I can get so disappointed that what I thought I was in control of was I was not in control of it. I can be so disappointed. It's completely let down. You know, I planned this whole party and then the the host couldn't come. You know, mm-hmm. we can like, oh, get so disappointed. But if we understand that true rest means, might even mean labor. You know, it might mean true rest might be raising five children and being, you know, the, having the craziest personality kids in the world. But that, we will rest in that because God calls us to do it. And if we're doing, that's Christ's yoke. That's not ours. He took off the burden of our of our our own controlled good life, and he put on us the burden of a life that he's in control of as long as we surrender that, as long as we say, Lord, I'm, I kind of tried this whole control thing, and part of it was good, most of it was bad, and now I'm going to continue to work and to labor, to be diligent, have responsibility, but I don't need the results to be exactly what I planned because you probably know better. And this, mm. this is basic Christian stuff, of course, yeah. but, it, but, but, you know, I, I don't think it's, we don't want to say I just surrender all control and therefore I don't put any labor into it is the point here. Yeah. We need to labor. We need to be responsible. But in that, what God does with our labor is where we surrender the control. Mm. I'm going to, I'm going to work Lord. Now what you do with it, the results of this, that I surrender. So I, I put in the effort and then I surrender the results. And that can be a very peaceful life because the things that get us frustrated the most, then we can pause and say, I'm not going to get frustrated by this because I labored for Christ's results, not for my own. Yeah. Yeah. The in focus, I don't, I don't know how I feel about this. Um, I don't even know who said it. I think it was, I think it's St. Augustine or St. Ignatius, but one of the two says, um, pray as if everything depended on God work as if everything depended on you. Yeah. And I'm like, how do you maintain the balance between just kind of being a Pelagian? Like, um, I'm going to bring about the, the victory and it'll be my good work. And at the same time, whatever the opposite would be just like, I don't know, spiritual sloth. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's like, like God's going to do everything. I don't need to, I don't need, I don't need to pray. Mm. I don't need to, I don't even need to, I don't need to find a job. Yeah. I don't need to find a job because God's going to bring me out of this and I don't need to, you know, do anything because God's in control. It's like, well, yeah, that's another joke about the guy and the floods come and he's standing on his front porch, more floods come, stands on his roof. You know, somebody brings a boat. He doesn't take the boat. God's going to take care of me. Someone comes by in a car earlier. I'm not going to get in your car. God's going to take care of me. Mm. Finally, a helicopter comes. I'm not going to get in the helicopter. God's going to take care of me. Floods kill him, goes up to heaven. Lord, you said you'd take care of me. Well, I did. I sent you a car, a, a helicopter, and a boat, you know? Right. It, it, yeah. Th- these things are, are... Away with you, you wicked servant. Yeah. <laughs> Where's yeah. your wedding garment? Gnashing of teeth. All right. Um, well, that's good. Um, you you kind of... Uh, Thank you for the affirmation. Yeah, you kind of just uh, stole my topic for the next one. But, yes. Uh, I might I might just follow up and, and there we go. do the same one. So Why not? It's a week apart. Why not? All right. Okay. Well. Shout out. Shout out. Are you going to do the one from Jason? 
Uh, no, go ahead. I got it. All right, here we go. Uh, Father Nathan, parentheses, Father Mike, in parentheses. <laughs> my, my husband... My husband, Brian Skelton, is a huge fan of the podcast, as am I. However, Brian is a super fan, to say the least. I would love to surprise him with a shout-out as corny as it may seem. I think you would be elated. We do, not keep, we do not keep surprises under wraps very well in our house, so for me to keep this a surprise has been darn near agonizing. Father Jason has told us about the podcast, and I'm so happy he did. You guys are doing a fantastic job. Keep up the banter. According to Ashley... Brian's wife. Brian has listened to almost five years of podcasts in a little under, I don't know, a month? Wow. few months. In the last few months, he's listened to five years. It's like most of his waking moments is spent with one of our voices. <laughs> so, uh, Brian, um, I think you need some help. Uh, I think you need to listen to, like, <laughs> I don't know, some detox podcast or 12-step program, sounds like. I was just watching, like, there was somebody who was saying, like, are you one of those people that finds a new series on Netflix, watches yes. all of them in a row, and then are depressed when it's over? I did that once. Yeah, I'm like, oh, yeah, so I hope you're not depressed right now, Brian. Um, you'll have to wait another week um, if this is the last podcast you're listening to, but uh, thanks for listening. He's... Uh, Brian's way out in Rangeley, I think. Uh, oh, this is Wunch. Rangeley Panthers, okay. Um, you got Rangeley Panthers, Maker Cowboys, and the Moffat County Bulldogs out in Craig wow. Maker and Rangeley. Wow. The Tri-County Parishes. So, so yeah, enjoy it out in Rangeley. That is a wild town. The one thing I regret not doing in Rangeley was at the convenience store, they had one of those uh, machines where... You can go and select your ice cream um, and then put it into a milkshake machine and it'll make a fresh oh, milkshake for you. Nice. I don't know. You should probably Maybe I could it. live there. <laughs> Just because of that. I, no, I go crazy. Yeah. Range, God bless. Range is a tough much. one. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right, Brian. I have a few. And Ashley. Yes. Thank you for your lordly, Brian, and, and go see somebody. I think they're related to Mark Skelton as well, if I remember right. And Mark was the one that... Uh, yeah, well, we just went over to his house and um, he showed me his arsenal. So <laughs> he's a former military man. So ah, nice. All right, I got a few. Um, although it's good to know uh, that Father Jason once supports us. And what gets the word out? He I mean, does. Yeah, but someone like Larkin, who's just like, I don't listen, I never will. Ooh. Now you're really. You, these are like milestone moments. Like if, <laughs> if you're keeping a bingo card out in listener land. Uh, Father Michael just made a dig on Larkin, so that means that he gets a token on the Aww. on the space. That's nice. good. This is nice. these are like merit badges. He owes me a beer. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, Michaela Hertel wants a shout out for her friend Amira Davis, who is from Fairbanks, but she said the Seattle area. So whether there's a Fairbanks, Washington, I imagine it's Alaska, but. Alaska, they always they always fly in and out of That's Seattle. That's near so Seattle. That. It's close enough for American standards, I guess. Yeah. Uh, she says, I can tell you that she is one of the most giving, talented, intelligent people I know, and that she is a future saint walking among us. Oh, my so, gosh. So, uh, future Saint Amira, pray for us. Um, also, uh, shout out to Anna in the West, Tall, T-A-U-L. I think that's Tall, right? Close enough. Paul with the T. Taul. Taul. 
a great couple from South Bend who are faithful listeners from your friend Laura Gifford. Um, also, Michael Fisher says in an email, in lieu of a traditional shout out, my fiance Lori and I, Laura and I will be getting we'll be married. We'll naming our first children after you. <laughs> that is so kind. I am just really moved. Yes, little little Nathan Michael Fisher. Um, my fiance Laura and I will be getting married on September 19th out in Georgetown University, and your prayers for us will be a great blessing in lieu of a shout out. So now that we've done a shout out, we don't need to pray for them. That's true. That's how that works. Okay. That's right. Yeah. No more prayers. You got to shout yeah, out. Yeah, you can't. You can't put that on your wedding registry. Uh, I want like a, a Le Creuset Dutch oven and a shout out on the podcast or prayers or prayers. Either one. 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 Not. Not both. All right. Um, Emily Nolan. Yeah, I know. I do. I, I want to get through these so we have more for next time. Emily Nolan uh, enjoys it as well. She wants a shout out, or she'd love a shout out. God bless you, Emily Nolan. You're and, giving her the shout out. I know. I know. I'm praying for her too. Right? That's what we do. Look, I just I'm yelled at you on the her. podcast. You get another merit badge. Nice I will job. Come over this like a spider monkey, Nathan. All right. In addition, <laughs> my parents and I will be listening to your podcast on the nearly 600 mile commutes to and from Steubenville. This shout out is requested by Stephanie Harriman. Oh, do you know who that is? No, I have no idea who that is. But I met a guy who was driving out from California, and he was going to Steubenville. He stopped by my parish. And he had a sick eye thirst tattoo oh. on his left arm, nice. on his left forearm. So if you listen, um, you're kind of a big deal. So I have no idea who you are. Um, he just had an eye thirst tattoo, and I saw it like as he was walking out. I was like, dude, sweet ink. Beautiful. All right, two more real quick ones. My name is Matthew Berth, and I am a longtime listener, to, as is my wife, Lisa, who first introduced me to Catholic stuff. They got married on July 11th of this year and she he thought it'd be great if we gave his wife Lisa a shout out for being such a faithful listener of the podcast who was a holy Catholic wife thank you for all you do I think he was saying that to us but I'm going to put it on her thank you for all you do Lisa he, he thanks you for all you do okay and finally this is the last one because it's hilarious so Paolo Alameda is, is a friend of my friend Stephen Davies who's in New York so he wanted to confirm his love of the banter so he literally did a list of the top five banter Sweet. moments he has so the first one was i don't know any of these because none of them are me so you'll you'll know these first one was up for whatever yeah okay okay the second was uh gobing t- gobel gobing gobel telling father john shut up when he reminded him he doesn't have an iphone and that's why gobel couldn't find someone's name for a shout out <laughs> You obviously remember that one. All right. Number four, Father John talking about his boot getting gnarly and Goebel oh, is getting to maybe pass at any time. Oh, it was so disgusting. <laughs> it was so nasty. Gnarly. All right. The next one, fourth, Goebel forgetting Father John's clerics. Yes. Father Joseph Lajoie and we were just in Glenwood this past weekend and we were reflecting on that story and just John was so... So crestfallen, and there was nothing I could do but laugh because he, all of his clerics were in Glenwood. <laughs> I wish I knew what episode that was. Yeah, he didn't name the episodes, but he, he certainly remembers the the banter. And finally, um, Father Nathan Goebel says, "Share with us, share the fruits with us, John." And then said with a cheesy overemphasis voice, "Maha, maha, mwah." I'm guessing it's the uh, the laugh, mwah. That's yeah. what it looks like. The way he wrote it out. M M H A M M H A H A M M M M M H A M M M H 
I wish I knew which podcast these are. I have no idea. Anyway, y'all, y'all dig about. Hey, hey, Paolo, just let us know which ones they are. Then, then we'll know you're a super fan. That's great. <laughs> I thought that was great. He actually named the moments to yep. support us. See us. that? That's a, that's a true fan, Paolo. I like that. Okay. <laughs> All right, Catholic Stuff Podcast Gmail We're loading up the Facebook page, uh, even as we've ragged on it for the last two podcasts. The loon's taking us home. We'll see you later. Loon clock says, "God bless you." <laughs>